Right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome along then to the first uh, Meet the Brewer event of the uh, Peak Ender weekend, uh, which um, I hope you're having a good time. I see no reason why anyone wouldn't be having a good time. It's been uh, lovely so far. Uh, introductions, uh, my name's James Marriott. I host uh, Beer Here Now, which is the official Thornbridge Brewery podcast. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, you'll already know that because I am recording this for us to put out as part of our uh, Peak Ender episode. So on that note, actually, everyone give a big, big cheer. That was good, yeah, like that. Um, right then, this is Rob Lovett, and Rob is, I'm going to try and get this right, head brewer and production director. That's right. That's, That's a right, juicy yeah. job title. Yeah. Do, do you have that on business cards and things? I do, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Podcast host is rubbish <laughs> compared to that. Um, right, before we go any further, has everyone kind of been to a Meet the Brewer thing before, kind of know the the format of it. So um, what will happen is, it's pretty simple actually, I'll have a chat with Rob, uh, talk to him a bit about the brewery and um, a bit about the beers as well. Uh, we'll taste the beers, which is the exciting bit, uh, and then we'll throw it open for you guys if anyone wants to ask a question. And you know how that works, just stick your hand in the air, I'll come and find you so that I can uh, use the microphone with you and everyone can hear what it is that you're, uh, you're asking. Um, we've got three cracking beers that we're going to try. By the way, there is another Thornbridge Meet the Brewer tomorrow with different beers. You've picked the right one, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Uh, right, first Rob, let's talk about um, Thornbridge because you have been with the brewery nine or ten years now, is it 2010? 2010, yeah. 2010. So, um, well, what is Thornbridge all about? Well, I, for me, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd worked um, in two other breweries before that, uh, Meantime in London and Camden Town in London, um, and I was just already making sort of subconscious decisions that I wanted to get out of London because I couldn't stand it and brewing's not really quite as glamorous as people make out particularly in a production brewery where uh, it's just flat out all the time and you've just got to meet targets constantly so when I saw Thornbridge uh, was 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 on the scene a little bit after sort of we'd set up um, it was somewhere that really appealed to me straight away because it was back up north it was in beautiful countryside uh, and they were well capitalised and they were already making some great beers. So uh, what I like to think Thornbridge is about really more than anything is the fact that because we're, we're well capitalised uh, and we're not just looking to get bought out um, and it's not about marketing, it's more about the quality of the product. Um, so I like to think that Thornbridge is really a, a brewery of... Uh, well, we're brewers of integrity. That's, that's always the way, one of the ways I've described Thornbridge and, and our approach to beers. So uh, I think what we, we really try to do more, Thornbridge really for me is, um, apart from being a beautiful brewery in a beautiful place, is about making the best beers we can um, and the widest variety of beers we can and brewing beers, uh, classics in style, as well as a more left field approach to, uh, to other styles. You mentioned there about um, buyouts. The beer world obviously has changed a lot in the last decade, certainly while you've yeah. been with uh, Thornbridge. Yeah. How has Thornbridge changed in that time? Uh, I suppose we've just got bigger and better, really. You know, we've, we, we've learned by our mistakes um, in terms of brewing and uh, just more and more machinery, bigger, more complicated. I'd say probably more and more engineering which is uh you you just become focused on avoiding breakdowns and making sure you've got 
that are, you know, plan maintenance in, in place. Uh, and just there's more, yeah, yeah, we're just getting bigger and better and the beers are getting better. And it's just a great place to be at the moment. On the subject of the beers, obviously the first one is, is doing the rounds already, which is, uh, do I pronounce it Elio? Is that, is that right? Can I just make it up? No one's going to know. Ask the marketing department. Elio? Yeah, yeah we say Elio. Sales then. Um, <laughs> tell, us, tell us a bit about Elio then that, that people obviously are drinking right now. Well, Elio, uh, was it a year of beer? I think it, yeah, I think it, it was, yeah, I think we brewed it for a year of beer and it, it got a really good response. So then we, we decided to, to, to brew it again and, and actually bottle it. Um, you know, if a beer gets put in bottle, uh, it's got to be pretty special. Um, and the re- <laughs> there seems to be this fad at the moment in brewing where there's just mosaic and citra in every single beer that you taste. And um, I was talking to Matt Brindleson last night, and he said a friend of his said that the um, problem is with uh, mosaic and citra is that, you know, it used to be quite difficult to make an IPA, but now anyone can make a good IPA because they just bung a load of mosaic in there. And that's pretty much where it's at, really, in a lot of ways. Um, but there's no subtleness or deafness to, to mosaic. But uh, And there's, there's certain old-school US hops that are kind of... Most brewers, I think, are a bit boring. But um, I quite like, there's, a, there's a hop called Citra in there. Uh, sorry, not Citra. <laughs> Crystal. And when you balance... Uh, Crystal's just a fantastic hop for me. Um, and it's, it's very underrated, but it was used, ba- uh, uh, you know, say 10 or so years ago, it was quite a popular hop. And if you blend it with a bit of Amarillo, I just think it gives this beautiful sort of uh, flavour hook. And uh, uh, the, the rest of the beer is just, is, uh, is, is just the, the base is 100% pale ale malt. Uh, and then it's just lets the hop shine through. Um, everyone had a taste of Elio? Have we got thumbs up or thumbs down around the, around the room, everyone? Everyone like it? I can't, can't see any thumbs down at the moment. That's good. Um, so, Rob, um, uh, a year ago here at, at Peak Enders, none of us had seen a Thornbridge beer in a can. We're literally just popping open some, um, some Green Mountain now. Um, we're seeing more and more Thornbridge beers going into cans. We're seeing availability increasing right around the country. In fact, around the world, we're seeing the, uh, the availability of, of Thornbridge beers going up. Right now, just how much beer are you guys producing and how challenging is that well uh you know i've been ribbed about the my hatred of cans and now having to sort of uh <laughs> package beer in cans but the, the, it wasn't actually a hatred of cans it was a hatred of uh the craft brewers that were putting beer in cans that was just completely oxidized within about three days of going in there and it was the machinery that they were using um and that's why i was resistant to go into can but we've bought a line uh, that enabled us to package uh, the, our beers with very low oxygens. And in fact, uh, you know, I've had to eat my hat on it, really. Uh, you know, uh, the cans, I do love the cans because, you know, they're just, rather than having bottles rattling around in the back of your car, it's much easier to transport, etc., and dispose of. So, uh, like I say, I've eaten my hat. But uh, it's great. Our can sales are, are definitely... Um, Taking, overtaking the bottles and uh, that's not a bad thing I think because it's going to give us the flexibility to go back into bottle and satisfy all markets so we've got two great filling lines a can line and a bottle line and uh, it's, it's, it's a great place yeah Are there any kind of factors that you take into consideration when you decide whether you're going to bottle a beer or can a beer or is it just potluck? I think certain beers kind of you know for example uh a restaurant, if you went to a, a, you know, a really good restaurant, 
you wouldn't want a can brought to the table. I think a bottle of beer is more appropriate. And I think uh, just I don't know. And it's it's, it's more of a, a you know a, a preconception that you'd think certain beers suit bottle and certain beers suit can. I don't think there's any difference really in the in the in the, in the packaging format. Uh, one of the beers that we've got coming up a little bit later on is um, Necessary Evil. Now, we'll, we'll chat about that a little bit more yeah. in depth later. Um, obviously, that's a more complex beer. What's been the most challenging beer that, that you've been involved with brewing while you've been at Thornbridge? Probably the most challenging is the sour beers because you don't really never know which direction they're going to go in. Uh, and it was a totally new project for me. I had no idea. I didn't really know what we were doing, but I researched it as best I could and spoke to a lot of really good brewers around the world um, who have made these styles. So I think sour beers are probably the most challenging because you don't know what direction they're going to go in and then you have to blend them and it's learning by mistakes a lot of the time. Uh, and, but we had this big... Uh, our ethos with sour beers was if it was rubbish, we're just going to put it down the drain uh, rather than package it and sort of pay for people you know, to drink our mistakes, essentially. So we didn't... Uh, that, that, yeah, for sure. That was the most challenging. But luckily, it was a uh, slow ramp up. We didn't have sort of. It wasn't a beer that we needed massive sales for straight away. I, I guess your answer to this will be no. But have there been any beers that you've released that you've not quite been happy with? That have not quite come out as you as you kind of wanted them to? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, for sure. You know, there's always little tweaks that you can make on a brew each time you brew. But um, I think for me, the beer that always I'm so too self-critical of is uh, the, the German Hefeweizen because that yeast is real fickle yeast and it's hard to manipulate it to get you want to do what you want it to do and it doesn't behave the same time every time even though you give it exactly the same conditions to to replicate in. So, uh, you know, I would love in some ways just to make wheat beers for the rest of my life and no other beers and I could perfect them. So, yeah, probably wheat <laughs> beers. All right, I'm, I'm imagining now uh, we're in Rob's office. You've got like a whiteboard on the wall and you've got written on it the styles of beers that Thornbridge haven't done yet that you want to try uh, and brew. What's on that list? What, what have you not done yet that, that you really want to do? Uh, personally, I mean, I, I, you know, everyone that knows me knows that I just love lager and German style beers is where my heart is really rather than sort of beer with uh, you know vape, vape juice essence in them uh, so but I would much prefer to be brewing more sort of traditional you know styles that are just made out of sort of malt you know hops and yeast and water that would be that would what the board would be full of and no sort of joke beers made out of vape essence that would be uh but we don't use essence really, and if we do use some extracts, but um, I'm just saying that when I say that, I just think that there's so many beers out there that are just flavoured with, you know, artificial flavouring, and people seem to go crazy for it, and I just I just don't understand the fascination with them. Got name some names. What what breweries are you not no, impressed I can't, with right I can't, now? I can't say Come that. On. No. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I know because we've talked about it before that, that Lucas is a beer that you're really proud of, probably your favourite kind yeah. of beer in your range now. Yeah. Um, and yet in a lot of ways, it's one of the kind of the, the more simple beers that, that Thornbridge brews. Yeah. What is it about that that, that you, you know, uh, if you walk in a Thornbridge pub, that's your go-to beer, yeah. isn't it? What, what is it about it that just makes it such a quaffable beer for you? I just, because it's a, a well-brewed lager, you know, brewed probably in the Bavarian style, 
it's long lagered, low cold ferment temp temperatures when it's fermented, uh, and it's just um, the drinkability just is fantastic. The only thing I'd change on it is I'd try and lager it for even longer. But, uh, you know, the sales team won't let me do that. As soon as it's ready, it's got to come it's out. It's got to go out. Um, everyone's got their uh, the Green Mountain now. Um, this is a beer that's been around for, what, just over a year or so now? So, uh, no, time just all rolls into one. So uh, I yeah, remember it, being my, that, my, yeah. it was my favourite beer at peak end of last yeah. year. Um, obviously, New England-style beers became a real big thing last, last summer and became really popular. Um, Thornbridge choosing to do one that's a relatively low kind of OB, ABV compared to yeah. some of the other kind of beers in that in that style. Um, just tell us a bit about it, really, about how it how it came about and, and why you went with that kind of lower ABV rather than the kind of five six percent, which so many of them are now. Well, Green Mountain again. It was a style I was a bit hesitant to to brew because I, I, the shelf life on the, on that beer can be for me potentially we could look at it kind of falling apart because it's not processed in any way it's so raw uh, and also I kind of it's, it's, there were so many bad examples on the market of beers that were just actually full of green hop uh, and, and way too much yeast so when I wanted to do it, I wanted to do it well, and I wanted to do it consistently. So we sat down with the rest of the brewing team, and we came up with this process that enabled it to be as consistent as possible. Uh, so it was sort of centrifuging the first quarter, uh, sending across uh, the middle half, sort of the middle half, and then the final quarter, we also centrifuged, which the bits that were really, really um, where the most hot matter was, so to try and get those solids out. And then we uh, we made sure the yeast count was was bob on as well. The hops, uh, Mosaic, Citra, Galaxy, Nelson. There's a hell of a lot of hops that go into there, and I think for that that style, the um, and for the fact you can buy it in, in Tesco, it's unbelievable the amount of hops we put in there. Really, uh, I'm sure if the accountant really knew how much was going in there, he wouldn't be uh, he wouldn't be say, he wouldn't be so happy. Um, but 4.2, I'm not sure why we brewed it at 4.2. I think we just do a lot of session beers. And I think the British market, it really appeals to people, the session beers. Um, so I, I'm not 100% sure why we brewed it at 4.2. It was just a brief that was given to me by sales and marketing that they thought 4.2 would work. And for me, 4.2 is not a bad strength because it's sessionable. Probably the, ul the ultimate sort of, you know, a lot, some German brewers say good beer doesn't start till 5%. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe they're right, but you can't drink many of them. Yeah. Any uh, any plans at the moment for like a big green mountain? That's. I think we've got one coming up. Is it Jamestown? Yeah. Six point six. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Just, yeah. That'll be good. That's. Uh, it's been dry hopped. I think early this week. Uh, yeah. That's 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 on the cards. Yeah. I mean, obviously, at the moment, the weather's not brilliant, but tomorrow and Sunday, it's going to be beautiful sunshine and everyone will be out sunbathing, I've got no doubt. Um, what beers uh, that probably we haven't tried that are available here at Peak Ender should we be having a look at this weekend? Well, there's too many, really. I, I couldn't really name one because um, I know that all, all everything that we've got available is on the bar this weekend and there's nothing that I'd say don't try, you know, so... Uh, and there's a couple of that have been brewed that I was just sort of texting back and forth with the brew team when I was away, and I've not really tasted. And I, 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 well, I have tasted them. I wouldn't have not tasted them, but um, I've not really had sort of like a half pint of them. 
and I look forward to seeing what that, they turn out because they're emailing me with all these ideas and they said what do you think and I said oh, you can do what you want but all I say is don't mess it up <laughs> um, so we've got the tasters going out now of yeah. um, Necessary Evil um, I'm going to read this straight off the bottle. So, uh, bourbon barrel-aged stout. This is coming in at 13%. If anyone's got to drive later tonight, just have a sip, all right? That, unfortunately, is me as well. Um, so, um, tell us about this, because this started with um, a conversation with kind of the, the, the directors of, the, yeah. uh, of Thornbridge, didn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of dark beers, generally. Uh, I, you know, I don't... F- at the end of the day or after doing sport go to the pub and think you know I'd love to have a uh, you know a, a pint of stout I, I generally drink lagers or pale ales but I'm just I like beers on the lighter side in terms of colour uh, and Thornbridge kind of was famous in the past for brewing stouts the, the, all sorts you know St Petersburg aged in I don't know masala casks uh, you know was, the list was endless of uh, the dark bratcher etc and because I was now in charge of the brewery, we kind of never went down that direction. Every time they suggested even bringing Bratcher back, I was like, that's just a horrible beer. I don't actually want to drink it. But I know there's lots of Bratcher fans out there. And every time we brew it, people go mad for it. And people want us to brew it again. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't I brew a dark beer that I think is a good beer? And I tasted a Parabola in the um, United States quite a few times from Firestone Walker. And I actually thought that was a really good beer. So did our research, uh, and I we came up and I came up with this beer, and um, that's why it's called Necessary Evil, um, because uh, you know it's a beer I didn't want to brew, but uh, the sales team thought it was necessary that I actually get my head around it and brew one for once. So I mean, you sold that really well there. Yeah. Um, now obviously it exists. What are you? What are your thoughts now? I love it. It's a. It's I've actually never tried beer. this beer. Yeah, and it's it, a true story. It, I think it's a great example of that style. It is a good example. It doesn't taste 13% either. No. That's quite deceptive. That's quite good. Um, I didn't ask um, about Green Mountain. We've got thumbs up for Green Mountain. Did everyone enjoy in Green Mountain? All right, on to the harder stuff then. What about Necessary Evil? What, uh, there's only a few people who have got it so far. Uh, are we enjoy- It warms you up with the, uh, the slightly strong wind that we've, uh, that we've got out there. Um, is Necessary Evil a bit of a sign of things to come? Have you got kind of similar things in the pipeline? Well, the sour beer project for us was—it's um, doing well, but I think sours, even though they're world-class sours, that people kind of drink once, and but it's not something you drink on a regular basis. As I think stouts, uh, the people will drink them a bit. You know, I think this is more. Even though people love sours, I mean, Garrett Oliver once said to me in an email that everyone's talking about sour beers, but no one's actually drinking them. Um, so. <laughs> There, there's some truth in that, really. That I mean, I I do love sour beers, but I don't drink them that often. Um, and despite this being 13%, I think it's a style that people would drink more often. So I think we would look at continuing with this beer and maybe variants on it as well. It's certainly a good kind of base beer to do other things yeah. with, isn't it? You could have quite a lot of fun with it. Um, have we got any questions from the audience? Anyone that wants to ask a question of Rob, stick your hand in the air. I'll uh, come and find you. Is everyone being shy? Any questions for Rob? I've got one here. Just, uh, just tell us your name, if you would, sir. Des. Um, how do you decide the names for your beers? It's a mix, really. Often, uh, Simon, the head of sales, he'll send out an email saying, "Has anyone got any suggestions for a name?" And I write back and say, "Well, that's really the 
it's, it's not my job. I just make beer. But uh, so we so it was like na names in a hat kind of thing, and some suggestions get completely ridiculed. But uh, uh, you know, but eventually we come up with a name. <laughs> that was something that I named. Yeah, myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have, have there been any beers that, when it's been released, you've really hated the name and still look at it now thinking, why do we call it that? Well, there was the the, the, um, uh, the year of beer last year. I couldn't pronounce the majority of them, so <laughs> I don't know what it was like when you were trying to order one behind the bar. Right, we've got another question over here. I might just need you to uh, just uh, just step over a little, if you would. Just give us your name to begin with. Hi, Morag. Morag, what's your question for Rob? Uh, is there a any conflicts between what you want to do and what the sales team want to do? Yeah, constantly. Good question. Yeah. I remember um, there was one year where the year of beer came out and uh, Jamie Hawksworth, who runs um, Sheffield Tap, and we're in business with him now, and we've, we've got a pub in uh, York, and we're opening one in Leeds as well, and one in Birmingham next year. And uh, he knows what I'm like. And um, he said... Uh, he saw this list of beers and he phoned Simon at uh, my boss and he said, how did you ever in a million years get that list of beers past Rob? And he said, put it this way, there's a lot of swear words, a lot of emails, but eventually we came to a compromise. So yeah, for sure, there is, uh, that does happen. There is yeah, a lot of arguments. Okay, any more questions around the, uh, the room? Just on the front row here. Hi there. So my main question is, you say you love German beer and you love the beers you've made yourself yeah aside from a german beer and a beer that you've made yourself if you had to drink say two beers and that was it what would they be that you haven't brewed and that aren't naturally german beers well i don't think there's many brew oh right so well so i can't choose german and it can't be a thornbridge beer or a brewery i've worked for before sierra nevada pale ale would be one for sure I know they, they, I mean, it's ridiculous that they get slated, but because, well, the, the beer's fantastic and it's consistent and they're, they're just fantastic brewers, but, you know, they're just, people think because they're that big that they, don't, they can't make good beer and they're not put, you know, making hazy soup. Uh, so, yeah, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. And another one probably would be, I like Duval. Duval would probably suit me well, yeah, yeah. What what breweries around the UK are you really impressed with at the moment? Or or are there none? I know silence. Well, no. The problem is that I'm quite insular, and and that's one of the re you know I I don't drink a load of beers from other people's breweries because we get free beer at Thornbridge, uh, and if I'm not drinking beer, I like a nice bottle of wine. <laughs> um, but that's one of the reasons it's great to have like a young... We've got a really young team at Thornbridge and uh, th those guys taste beers all the time and they, they, they bring beers back to the brewery and you know, they say, have a taste of this. And, but th sometimes they're educating me on new styles. So I think that's really good to have, to have that young blood coming back through into the, you know, into the brewery. Absolutely. We had a question on the second row. Is it you? There we go. I'll just pass that over to you. Just give us your name at the start if you want. Uh, Frankie, I just wanted to know how did you get into brewing? How did I get into brewing? I'd always I'd brewed at home even when I was sort of like 15, 16. And I, you know, I've got quite a photographic memory for beers. I can still remember first time I had a pint of this and a pint of that. And uh, I'd done a degree in microbiology and I was 
sort of rock. I wanted to do a, a, a you know a whole year rock climbing in Europe, and uh, I, my dad said, uh, you know, that's a really bad idea. Really, you need to get a job. So, uh, <laughs> so um, I went down to London to work at Meantime when it first opened on the minimum wage, and I was kind of like sofa surfing for staying at a couple, you know, one 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 mate's you know sofa one day, and then. Uh, it's my cousin was living down there, and eventually I made it work. And you know, never, you know I nearly quit a few times, but I'm glad I didn't because uh, you know I love being. I, 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 and I, you know, when you see the CVs and the amount of people that write to me all the time and say, I'm thinking, I don't want to get out of IT. I want to get out of this. I want to do that. I want to become a brewer. I, you know, I really appreciate that. You know, for what I do, and you know, it is hard work, but it's very rewarding at the end of the day, especially events like this when you, know, you see everyone coming here to to taste beer. Okay, if you weren't a brewer, what would you be doing right now? What's what's your backup career? If suddenly the beer world goes kaput, what's uh, what's Rob going to be uh, taking up as his new job? I don't know. You know, if life got too stressful, he could always be a dog walker or something. That would be quite good fun. I dog think. walker, yeah. Yeah, professional dog walker, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Any more questions for Rob? Just pop your hand in the air if there's anything you'd like to ask. I'll come across here first and then over to you. Sorry if I uh, hit you with my wire. Just give us your name as well, please. Hi, it's Lisa. And I'm just wondering, obviously you go through quite a range of beers. Um, how do you decide which beers you're keeping and which beers you're not keeping? And I'm particularly interested in like whether you're ever like Ashford at all or anything like that. But And just, not just Ashford, but the range as a whole. Um, George. Uh, George works in sales. So I suppose it's what sells well. Uh, that's that's the, the top and the bottom of it, really, uh, unfortunately. We did Ashford like two months ago, so we still do like all the old classics, it's just when it suits, so like we do Wild Raven on cask in like October, we do St. Petersburg in December, obviously the brew plan's quite tight, so we just try and fit in as many as we can, but sales do dictate what we brew, so when we've got like a little bit less on cask or a little bit more on cask, we can brew something a bit different, so that's where you're bigger and wonderful beers. Any that have never come back that you really wish had come back? Um, King Lucas. King, King Lucas. King Lucas. Is that, that's still a thing, isn't it? Or has that, has that been and gone? Yeah. Uh, right, I'll uh, come over here to get uh, your question. Hi, it's Chris. And I'm interested to know, some of the breweries, such as, dare I say, Beavertown, have sold out to the big guys. Have you managed to survive and not sell out to the big companies so far? Well, I mean, the brewers often say I'm a bit of a bad omen, really, at Thornbridge, because the other two brewers I worked for both got sold. But, um, you know, we've, we've stuck it out. And I think the reason why that's not happened is because I don't think Thornbridge set out in the beginning to be sold as where a lot of these, uh, a lot of the brewers, they're now, it's purely based on marketing uh, and their sole aim is to, to sell. And uh, I think you're going to really struggle unless you, unless you know what you're doing, if that's, if that's the way you're going to approach it, because, um, you know, the, the people want decent beer and... If you're only, you need both. You need decent beer and you need good marketing if you want to be really successful. Do you think categorically that it'll never happen at Thornbridge? I don't know if we've got anyone from Carling in the audience or anything, maybe. Well, I think you know with the, we're not in London, so that's one. That, you know, that's got one thing going for it. But I think you look at some of these buyouts. Some are worse than others, and uh, you know, I think those partial buyouts like Beavertown. I don't think you know that things change too much. Um, but the full buyouts and, and every brewer is different, you know. Some of those sort of big brewers that buy people out have learned by their mistakes and they kind of just leave them to get on. Because what's the point of buying a brewery 
and then just completely trashing the brand. Uh, you know, it's a bit pointless, really. So, and, and that's what used to happen. But I think what they tend to do now is even if they're not, you know, as profitable as they'd like them to be, they just kind of let them tick along and get on with what they're doing. But it depends on the brewery, really, and who's bought you out. Obviously, public reaction to buyouts has differed quite a bit. So Beavertown yeah. got a lot of stick. Uh, Magic Rock, less so, really. People yeah. seemed kind of all right with that. Um, what was your kind of take on, on, on those two? I don't know. It's, it's difficult. Cause I, you know, I feel sorry for the guys working there. When the, it's, it must be quite a step change for them, really. I mean, in some ways... I suppose it's good because you, you, there's more capital, there's going to be more investment in health and safety, all those sort of things that have probably been overlooked in the past because, you know, there's just not enough cash about and people are just busy, you know, busy doing what they're supposed to be doing, um, you know, making beer. But uh, And then on the other side, I suppose it's, it's sad that, you know, if, you know, when you think about the, the fact that, that those brands are probably not going to be what they were before, and so yeah, it's diff it, it's mixed mixed bag really. Fair enough. Any other questions for Rob? Just pop your hand up. Yep, I'll. Uh... Hello. So you said your dream job, if you went to brew, was dog walker. Do you have dogs? What kind are they, and what are their names? <laughs> That's an easy question. Yeah, Great question. Just those kind of questions. Uh, yeah, he's a sprocker spaniel. Uh, totally nuts, and his name's Otto, and he's uh, br uh, brown and a little bit white bit on his chest there. <laughs> there are a couple of breweries that have released a beer for dogs. Yeah. Is I, I can tell the answer to this from the reaction on your face. Is this something that Thornbridge will be looking at anytime soon? Well, we did brew uh, a, a beer called um, Otto, which is named after my dog. Did he Did he drink any of it? Yeah. And I, I saw, and that's that's exactly the kind of dog he is there. Just very similar to the uh, cocker there. Um, and uh, I, I told them uh, Simon. He says, "Well, why are we calling it Otto?" And he said, uh, "I said, oh, it's a, some old Bavarian king, you know." And he didn't realise. <laughs> I was just, I just thought it'd be funny to name it after my dog. And that's uh, sort of uh, that was brewed after a uh, similar sort of style as Aventinus, you know. Um, Schneider, about, about I can't remember how strong Aventinus is, but it's eight nine percent, isn't it? Uh, and I'd love to brew that again, but again, the sales team have let me down because they can't sell it. Um, all right then, Rob. Um, what does the future hold for Thornbridge Brewery? Just think, carry on what we're doing, you know, growing a nice steady rate, not too fast, uh, and the, you know the great team that I've got around me and the brewing team that we just continue to just really enjoy what we're doing and making fantastic beers that's all i can say really and the dog walking division will be launching later this year yeah <laughs> rob thank you very much for your time ladies and gentlemen rob lovett thank you